So anyhow, we're going to take a break today and talk about baptism. This is a little bit less inspirational today, okay, than we sometimes try to be. This is a little bit more informational, but I want to talk about baptism. And we don't want the title. We wanted to title this for our YouTube or our podcast. What do we call it? You know, not that it matters, but do we just write baptism on the label? So then we thought maybe we should get clever. So we thought maybe we'd say the church runs on Duncan, you know. That would be a way. And then, no, that's probably not the, the big V. It doesn't fit the theme. Never mind, okay. Anyhow, seriously, though, we're going to talk baptism. So here's what I want to address right up front today. Here's the goal. We're going to talk about what is baptism, how do we baptize, and should I be baptized? And um, we're going to spend the bulk of our time on that first one, what is baptism, and then we're going to get into, you know, more briefly the last couple thoughts real, at the end real quick, okay? And again, we just need to do this once in a while, and it's been a while, so we thought today's a good day. Um, now, as we get into this conversation, I want you to know that when the service is over and I finish my message, I'm going to pray. And during that time, a couple people who are getting baptized are going to slip out, and they're going to, they're going to slip out during that, my prayer, and they're going to go into restrooms and change, pop back in and, and meet us at the, bat, the baptismal pool. And I'm going to join them there. I'm going to go put some shorts on so I... Uh, can get wet easier, and then we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have a song, and when the song is over, we're gonna do baptisms. Now I'm telling all of you this because I want to invite a bunch of you. When, we, when it's time to baptize, I want you to leave your seats if you're willing to. No one has to do that, but I want to invite you to leave your seats at that time and head over to kind of show some support. We moved the baptism down from Mount Sinai way up there where everyone just watches from a distance, you know. What is that place? We moved it down to the ground so that people can get around each other, be with their family or friends or just their, their you know, people of faith and celebrate and, and be there and, and just kind of like it was in the scripture where we're up close to the actual baptism. So we've been putting it over here and we're gonna do it. And so I'm gonna invite all of you who are willing to leave your seat and come over and kind of gather around. And, and then, of course, uh, when we're done, we'll come back for a closing song and announcement. But anyhow, that'll be the end of the service today. But let's talk about baptism for a bit, mainly this first question that we put up earlier. Baptism. I will take the moment to say this. I have practiced this delivery several times because I knew I had shorter time than usual. And um, I have cut out half of the passages of Scripture I was going to give you today. Like Anthony could tell you, we just got so much. Because I have a tendency of wanting to dump the whole apple cart, you know? Like, here's everything you should know about baptism in one big talk. And we just had to gut a lot of the content out to make it fit. And so, because of that, and Marty, I know that you, this is a new set, but I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a static kickback in this thing. We need to work on that later. I don't know if you can hear that or tweak it now. But anyhow, um, this, is, this is just so much to cover. Let me just cover some high points, and if you have further questions, see me later. But, but here's the first thing I want to say. Baptism was around before Christianity was around. Like, there are ancient cultures that baptized for different reasons, religiously and, and things of that nature. One of the groups was the, the Jewish people. Uh, they had forms of baptism prior to Jesus being here. People were baptized into, uh, sometimes it was a matter of being baptized to be ceremonially clean in order to get, participate in temple rituals. Um, sometimes when the temple was torn down during the Babylonian captivity, people were baptized sometimes, uh, well, oftentimes baptized because they were converting into Judaism. Think of Judaism, the religion, 
like Judaism, their, their scriptures are, the Hebrew Bible, we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible was their holy book, their religion was Judaism. They baptized converts into, into Judaism. And so that was a thing around before Jesus showed up. And then one day a man named John comes around. John the Baptist or John the Baptizer shows up. And he is preparing the way for the coming Messiah. And he's baptizing. We were going to look at some verses about him, but I've, I've just cut them. But John's baptizing a different kind of baptism. He's preaching repentance from sins. And he's preaching um, for people to, uh, to be baptized to signify that they're turning to God. And as he's doing this in the Jordan River, people are, that the temple leaders in Judaism come down and say, what are you doing? That's not how we do things. And John's like, look, I'm not doing your thing, okay? I'm not trying to build your religion. I'm trying to point people to a Messiah, a Savior. Well, one day Jesus comes to John to get baptized, and we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 3, in beginning in verse 13. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. He said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, so why are you coming to me? In other words, John is saying, look, you know, I'm kind of baptizing people as they repent of their sins. You have no sin. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah. So, so why would I be baptizing you, you should baptize me, and I'm even doing this to point people to you. So I'm very uncomfortable with this moment. But Jesus says to him, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And what happens next is important, and I, was, I, just, I don't want to rush past this because this is um, a picture of, it's just one of those things where Jesus was being validated by the Father. You know, that he was the promised Messiah for centuries ahead. And these moments to say, he has arrived, this is my son, are happening. So the first big sign was the virgin birth, right? And of course, the ultimate thing would be the, the resurrection, would be the exclamation point on who he was. But along the way, there's these moments where God just says, it's here, he's here, pay attention. And this is one of them. It says in verse 16 that after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, he put him in the water, he came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Pretty special moment. That doesn't happen during every baptism. If it happens during baptisms today, we're going to like pay attention to that. Right? It doesn't happen. Right? That, was a, that was a validation moment where, where, where God was saying, Father was saying, this is the promised Messiah come into the world to be your Savior. And there were several like that. Well, then from there, Jesus begins his earthly ministry. He gathers 12 very close disciples or apprentices to travel with him and teach. And then, he, and then they just begin to, he begins to teach people about the kingdom of God. He's healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, opening blind eyes and deaf ears. And he's doing miracles. And as he does, he's feeding the hungry. He's teaching about the kingdom of God. And it's interesting, we were gonna look at this too, but we won't. But Jesus and his disciples begin to baptize 
those who heard their message and, and received it. In fact, to the point where he was baptizing more people than John had been baptizing at the Jordan River. And it's interesting because Jesus hadn't even died on the cross or risen again yet. And a lot of us, when we picture baptism, as we understand, we're picturing the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And there was none yet. Jesus was admitting he was going to do that. But as we've read, no one understood that or believed it. But what was happening was they were hearing him, they were seeing his miracles, and they said, we believe your message. And we, it literally says they were baptized as his disciples. They were baptized into following the teachings of Jesus like John was baptizing. Very interesting thing for us to think about when we think about baptism. Later on, a couple years later, Jesus did indeed die on the cross. He did what he said he was gonna do. He died for our sins and he rose again. He said it all along, no one understood. And then he went and pulled it off and it validated his message. It validated that he was indeed the savior. And after he rose again, he stuck around for about 40 days. And remember, and we've said this so many times, this is festival time in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is packed full of people who are there for the Passover by the hundreds of thousands. Gathered from all the different countries they came, people who, who saw Jesus do his miracles abroad. And they're there and they were turned against him by the leaders of Judaism. And um, they crucify him. But they were there for Passover. And then three days later, he rose, rises again. And a lot of the people, some returned back home, but they had another big festival one of the three big festivals in that culture. Every, uh, one of them was Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. So some went home and came back, but others just stayed there for the whole two months because it was easier. And so Jesus, after he rises again, he is viewed over the next 40 days by hundreds of eyewitnesses who saw him alive and well again after dying. And if you didn't see him arisen Jesus, you probably knew someone who did. And so people are just like, oh, wow. You know, we kind of believed in his miracles. We turned against him. And now he really was who he said he was. And the groundwork is set. The, the, the landscape is ripe for the, the movement to explode on the scene. It's ready. So Jesus, for 40 days, prepares his followers, his disciples, to carry on his work. Jesus is like, I'm out of here, okay? Good luck with that. I'm out of here. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And you'll be with me one day. But before I go, I'm telling you, your job is to stay here and spread the message. And he's been giving them all these instructions and he gives them one final set of instructions right before he leaves, right before the Feast of Pentecost arrives. Jesus says, well, we, we call it the Great Commission um, in church world, that's great. But it's Jesus' final commands or instructions and we start with Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, I was obedient to the Father's will and I died on the cross and I rose again and I have been given all authority by the Father in heaven and on earth. And then Jesus said, therefore, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. I'm gonna pause there and give you a little context. Uh, this, this whole story we're reading here takes place in three different of books of the, of the Gospels. Um, in one spot it says, uh, the way it's worded is, go be witnesses unto me. In another spot, Jesus is saying, go preach the good news, or gospel, and the gospel means good news. Go preach the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that Jesus died for our sins because our sins had separated us from God. Our sins had separated us in relationship from our maker. 
And that had to be, they have to be made right. They have to be atoned for. And so on the cross, Jesus demonstrated forgiveness. It, it, was, it was God saying, I want you back more than I want you to pay. So I'll pay for you because I, I just want our relationship restored. And then he rose again from the dead to destroy the power of death, which is a consequence of sin. And so we can come back to God and not only live forever, but he will live inside of us now with a spirit. We talk about Jesus coming into our heart. It's technically God's Holy Spirit and dwells us when we believe. And he lives in us and guides us. And someday we live with him forever. And all of that was made possible because Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And when we believe that and accept that, we put our faith in that, we experience new life. We're born again, not by our works or church membership or giving, although those are all wonderful, but by our faith in Jesus, he saves us at his own expense. And that's good news. That's good news. And we oftentimes say, that's our whole central message. And if the message that the version of Christianity you heard did not sound very much like good news, maybe you got the wrong version because it's good news. And we celebrate it today. So, so Jesus said to his disciples, go spread this good news. And then if, as people hear it, of course, the first thing they're gonna do is they're gonna, gonna believe it. Because you can't follow or be a disciple until you believe. You won't follow someone you don't believe in, right? And, and on the contrary side, if you believe in him, you likely would follow him. But he says, you spread the good news, and as they believe it, as you spread the good news and they believe it, it's the beginning of a new journey. You're going to teach them. You're going to make disciples of all nations. And here's what happens next. You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And that's the first actual act, apart from their salvation by faith in Christ, their first step of fellowship, their first step of, of, of discipleship. And then it continues. Verse 20, he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And that's a very important statement. And I, this is kind of a rabbit shell I don't have time for, but I just want to quickly say, it's interesting that Jesus said, teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. He doesn't say teach them to become, to join the religion of Judaism, right? Or, um, you know, to uh, convert to that or the Hebrew scriptures, you know, all the laws of Moses. That was a failed idea for the Hebrew nation he built. He said, I've given you new commands. You've been with me. You've been my disciples. You've heard me give that new commandment before I went to the cross to love one another as I've loved you. Everything I've taught you, you take it with you and you teach it to those people who believe the good news. Baptize them and teach them to follow me. Teach them to follow the teachings I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I want you to notice a pattern in those verses, and I gotta establish this real quick. The pattern is this. Jesus says, I'm going back. I'm gonna prepare a place for you. We'll see, we'll, I'll see you one day. In the meantime, I'll send my spirit to indwell you as you believe, and you take that good news and you spread it. And, and when people, when they hear it and they believe, baptize them to show their faith and as the first step in their discipleship journey. So the steps are this. Number one, they believe. You, they, you spread the message, they believe, number one. Number two, after they believe, you baptize to show their faith and a start of their discipleship journey. And number three, teach them the rest so they can follow me. They become followers. They become disciples. That's the journey. Believe, baptism, and discipleship or following, following Jesus. Well, that's exactly what the early disciples did. Jesus left, 
They went back for about a week and prayed, and then the, the festival of Pentecost arrived. And I don't have time to tell you the whole cool backstory, but some miracles happened that draw a crowd. There are tens and tens and tens of thousands of people. That's probably an understatement. Packed into Herod's courtyard around the temple, and they're there for the festivals. These are the same people who were there when Jesus was crucified at the last festival. They're gathered, and they're, they're, in, the, they're in the same space. And they either saw a risen Jesus or they knew someone who did and they're ready to like say that was a mistake and we believe now. And at this, at this time, Peter and the apostles begin to spread this message of Jesus and what he did and why he did it so that all could be saved. And we won't read the long sermon, but in Acts chapter two, you ought to read a long sermon that Peter preaches about what Jesus did. And in that sermon, he basically says, you all crucified him. Come on, you know what you did. Yeah, we know what we did. Yeah, you did that. But here's the thing. God raised him from the dead and he's alive and he's our savior and it's through faith in him that we have eternal life. And, and they're like, what are we supposed to do? And he says, you're supposed to, you need to repent of, of that sin and your sins and you need to turn to God for forgiveness. And then he says, you need to get baptized. And we pick up the story for sake of time in Acts 2.41. It says that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That's an instant, the movement explodes. It was ripe and ready to pop. 3,000 that day. But here's what I want you to see. That pattern that Jesus gave in his last command is right there. They spread the good news, and number one, people believed it. Number two, they got baptized. And number three, they were added. So added to the church, we think of church in the Western culture terms, like a body where you have membership and, you know, whatever. It just, it was an assembly. It was a gathering of people who, who came together in common faith in Jesus Christ and in a desire to follow him. And as they came together, there's now 3,000 of these people sharing their faith, sharing the spiritual journey of following Jesus. They believed, they were baptized, and they began to follow Jesus. Just like Jesus said to do. We can, we can continue reading. In fact, if I wanted to, and I did want to, we can go through the entire book of Acts and see story upon story upon story of people getting the same pattern, believing, getting baptized, following Jesus. There's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, the story of the Philippian jailer. For sake of time, I'll give you one more. And it's a big one because it's kind of, uh, it's, it's a story that deserves its own Sunday. It deals with racial reconciliation issues. It deals with so much. But basically, uh, God, God leads Peter and some other Jewish believers to the house of a man named Cornelius. They enter his house, and he's got his family and friends there, and they share the message of Jesus. They spread the good news. It's a pretty incredible story. We won't look at all of it for time reasons. But as they do, Cornelius and everyone in the house hears the message, and it says in the Scripture that as they heard they believed and, and that the Spirit of God filled them while they were listening, which is a whole conversation in itself that God's Spirit indwells us when we believe. And here's the crazy part. They didn't have an invitation, an altar call, or uh, repeat after me this prayer at all. In fact, in none of the stories in the book of Acts that we've mentioned or didn't mention is there someone saying, pray this prayer. But every time they heard the message of Jesus and they believed it, they were saved. In this story right here, they're just listening to Peter and they believed in it and God's spirit just falls on all of them right there while they're listening. And it's shocking. It shocks the people who came for a, a number of reasons we can't get into today. But in verse 46, 47, then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized 
now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, now that they've believed and they're, I mean, can we baptize them? They were not Jewish people and this was a big moment. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterwards, Cornelius asked Peter to stay with them for several days. Now I'm showing you the story of all the stories we could have looked at to show you the same exact pattern. They came and shared the good news. The people who were in the room believed, were saved. Then they got baptized to demonstrate their faith and as a first step of obedience or discipleship. And then commit to stay with us so we can find out what else God has to say because we want to follow him. That same pattern goes on and on. Now, I'm going to give you one more passage of scripture and then I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. Um, the other scripture passage is not in the book of Acts. So basically the Christian scriptures or the New Testament, um, you have the life of Jesus in four gospels and then you have the book of Acts as a historical book and then you have all the correspondence letters between the early church going on. A lot of correspondence and a lot of um, writing. And one of those letters was written by Paul to a group of believers in the city of Rome and he's just telling them, hey, I've been there, you've, you've come to faith, here's how you follow Christ. That's what these letters were usually about to an individual or a church, a gathering of people to follow Jesus. And so as Paul writes to Rome about following Jesus, people who are believers who've been baptized and who are gathering to grow in their discipleship, as, Peter, as Paul writes to them, he basically says to them in the middle of his writing, he's like, God's grace is bigger than anyone's sin. And we talked about this last Sunday at Lighthouse, didn't we? That, that, that no sin is bigger than God's grace. And if you think you're, you're, you've too far gone, you've done too bad, or you've wandered away, God's grace is more amazing than you can give it credit for. You can't even begin to explore its height, its depth, its width. And he, he, Paul says God's grace abounds much more where sin abounds. But then he turns and says, does that mean that simply because of God's grace, does that mean that we should just continue living sinfully? Because, hey, grace. Is that what that means? No, he says, no, not at all. He says, I want to remind you of your baptism to explain this to you. So we pick up the story there in Romans 6, verse 3. Paul says, have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in his death? I didn't, I didn't die. What does that mean? No, no, here's what he says. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And so in this passage, Paul's going to give three things that are pictured when we get baptized. Two of them are in this verse and one's in the next verse. The first two things that are pictured when we get baptized is that we are identifying that Jesus died for our sins and was buried and rose again. And folks, that's where our salvation comes from. We're not saved by our works or by our church attendance, or by our giving, those are all wonderful things. We're saved for free. It's God's expense. He paid it. We accept it when we believe the good news and receive him as our Savior. So we picture that we're identifying with Christ in death, burial, and resurrection, that he did that to save us, and that's our hope. That's the first thing. second thing that's pictured is that we have died to our old, our former lives, and now been raised into a new life. It's a discipleship picture that all former things have passed away, that we are a new creation, that all things are new going forward. The third thing is found in the next verse, verse five. 
since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. And that's a reference to eternal life, that, that just like uh, Jesus died and rose again, when this body gives out and our bodies die one day, we know that we're not gonna, they might lay our body to rest, but we are resurrected. We are in living forever. We have eternal life because Jesus destroyed the power of death. So in baptism, these verses tell us three things get pictured, the past, the present, and the future. The past, that Jesus died for our sins and rose again, that's what saves us. The present is that we are new people, new creation, living, we're entering a new life, following Jesus. And the future is that when this life is over, we know we have eternal life because of what Jesus did. Those three things are pictured in baptism. Now, for some of you, you're like, okay, information overload dump, thanks very much. Can we uh, cut to the chase? And for others of you, we could have spent more time and you would have liked more scripture. But for sake of time, I wanna just kind of come down to some things I wanna say about baptism and then we'll, we'll be done with me talking, which is always a good thing. What is baptism? I wanna give you a definition that if you're here and you're not familiar, I wanna give you, a, you can write this down, take a picture of the screen, but here's kind of a working definition of baptism based upon what we've read in the scriptures today. Here's what it is. Baptism is the public display of your faith in Jesus and your decision to follow him. Baptism is a public display of your faith in Jesus and your decision to follow him. We just saw that scripturally and we could have done more, but that's basically where we're gonna go today. So when I explain baptism, I did this a couple times this week, so I do this often. I oftentimes refer to uh, the illustration of my wedding ring. I like that illustration because it's simple uh, analogy. So this August the 6th coming up, Michelle and I will have been married for 29 years. And um, back in the day, I got on a knee, my knee and asked her to marry me. And then I got on both knees and begged her to marry me. No, I didn't. Uh, she, said, she said yes. Um, and then... We got married a few months later in front of family and friends in Morley, Michigan. And as we did, we made promises to each other. Vows, we call them, right? And in those vows, I, I, promised, I promised her that I was gonna stay true to her. I was gonna cheat, I was gonna leave her, I was, gonna, I was in it for life, till death do us part. And she made similar promises and vows to me. And we entered a relationship and a commitment together. Afterwards, we pulled out rings and we placed them on each other's finger. And that ring was a picture or a display of our commitment. Now, have we ever lost our rings or not had them for a while? Both of us have had ring issues in the, at some point in the last 28 plus years. Let me tell you one of my fun stories. I'm in Lake Michigan, up by the Mackinac area near the Upper Peninsula, in the water with my brothers-in-law and my nephews, and we're throwing these water footballs on the water. And that water is cold in August, it's cold up there. So picture cold water in there throwing. And at some point while I'm throwing the ball, I realized that my ring had flown off my finger and dived into the depths of Lake Michigan, never to be discovered, at least not by me again. Oh no. So sometime later when I kept forgetting, I finally got a couple, just a couple stainless steel rings just to have one. And then my daughter, Jessica, um, she worked for a while for someone who made custom jewelry and sold it on Etsy. And so she said, she made a ring for me and a little nicer than the, the cheapos I was buying because I was too cheap to buy a real fancy one after losing the first one. So she made one for me and I wear that one now. Now here's the question. I'm gonna be silly here, but let me just do it. 
if I lose my ring, and I have, if I'm not wearing my wedding ring, if I, if I take it off right now, am I still married? It's not a trick question. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm still married, right? This ring doesn't make me married. It simply displays that I'm married. I take it off and I'm still married. But I wear it because I want everyone to know I'm married. I display that I'm married. I'm not ashamed to be married. I'm not ashamed to be married to Michelle. I want to, others to see that. And I want to remind myself when I look at my finger. So it's a display of my commitment that day and our commitment to each other. Okay. Baptism is a public display of your faith. Your faith in Christ is what saves you. We're not saved by works. We're saved because Jesus paid it all. And we simply put our faith and trust in Jesus. If you've never done that, that's your first step. But if you've placed your faith in Christ, baptism becomes a public display. So I'm not ashamed to, be a, to let people see that I'm identifying with Jesus, that he's my savior. So a public display of your faith in Jesus and of your decision to follow him is your first step in saying, Jesus, what do you want me to do now that I've been saved by you? Baptism, absolutely. What next? I'm, I'm beginning a discipleship journey at baptism. So, quickly answer this, then we're moving along here. How do we baptize? We baptize by, you know, we don't, you know, sprinkle or we don't pour water on someone. We dunk you. That's why the church runs on dunking, right? No, we, we, um, we dunk. And when I'm going to tell you why we dunk, but I, here's what I don't want you to hear me saying. Do not hear me saying that I'm criticizing any other church right now. I'm not. I'm not, telling anyone else, I'm, not, I'm not here to bash anyone else and what they do. I'm telling you why we and a bunch of people like us dunk when we baptize. Two big reasons. The first reason is because that's exactly um, what baptism means. The word baptize literally means to immerse. And so by definition, we dunk. <laughs> but the second reason is because every time we read the scriptures and we see the baptism of Jesus or the baptisms of the people in the scriptures, they always went into the water and they got dunked. So we're just trying to do what Jesus did and how he showed us to do it. We're just following that pattern and that's why we, we baptize that way in conjunction with Jesus and his example. So, closing questions. Should I be baptized? Arlen, should I be baptized? The answer to that question is, it depends. It depends. What's your reason for getting baptized? If your reason for getting baptized is that you've changed churches or church denominations, and so you should get baptized into the new church or the new denomination, I would say no. Because we're picturing the gospel. We're not picturing changing franchises. I'm gonna use the word franchise tongue-in-cheek here just to make my point. Like, we're not gonna change franchises, so we're gonna get baptized into the new one, right? That is not the point of baptism. We're not trying to elevate a denomination or a church. We're elevating the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he is pictured in baptism. So whenever someone says, well, I we used to be a Baptist, now I became a Methodist, or I was to be Catholic, now I became Presbyterian or whatever, should I get baptized into the new franchise? No, it's not about that. It's not about brand. It's about following Jesus. If you've been baptized after you believed the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ, that's what the point is. So that would not be a reason to get baptized. But if you have accepted the good news of Jesus, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you should get baptized to display that. Yes, you should. Whenever that, maybe it happened years ago and you never got baptized, or maybe it just happened recently, you should get baptized to picture what we said right here, a public display of your faith in Jesus and your decision to follow him.
And if you've not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, start there. Before you leave today, place your faith in it. That's what saves you. It's what Jesus did for you and you put your trust in that. Get that figured out. Afterwards, you can begin this process of following his instructions, starting with baptism. But believe the gospel first. If you've never accepted that today, I hope you'll do it during our quiet time. I hope you'll do it you know, with me or on your own or just get it done today. So should I be baptized? If you've placed your faith in Christ and have not been baptized since you have, then yes, you should. Other last question, should I be baptized again? Arlen, I've been baptized before. Should I be baptized again? Again, the answer is it depends. What's the reason? So if you were baptized the first time because you were a baby and your parents got you baptized or you were a young child and your parents just kind of, you know, ushered you into this thing that you didn't understand because they were really excited to, to have you enter the faith. That's great. But, but when you got old enough to understand the gospel and make a personal faith choice to trust in Jesus, you should get baptized, even if you were as a youngster, a baby or whatever. And I'm not criticizing the early baptism. That's wonderful. Look, I'm gonna tell you, it's like, kind of like baby dedication around here. We're gonna do a baby dedication in a few weeks. If you got a new baby, we want to sign them up. We're gonna do a baby dedication right up here. And that service will be about you as parents saying, we are aiming to bring our child up in the faith. But that is not the child's decision. That's your decision as parents. What a terrible theology. Think about this. What a terrible theology it would be that a child, a person standing with God is based upon nothing that they decided for themselves, but something that their parents chose to do or not do for them. What a terrible theological implication that would be. Well, my parents didn't do the right thing. So, so again, it's a great gesture to show our intention to bring our child up in the faith. And, I, and that's why a lot of us, maybe I was baptized when I was little. Some of you were too. That's a wonderful gesture. Our parents were trying to aim us the right direction. But when I came and when we come to faith in Christ for ourselves, when we are old enough to understand that Jesus did that for us and we put our faith in Jesus as our savior, our personal moment of faith in Christ, baptism displays that. So that's why I was rebaptized. I was almost 17 years old when I understood this and came to faith in Christ and was baptized again because it was my decision of faith to follow Christ. So that's the reason. And by the way, you shouldn't say, well, I can't because I'll offend Uncle Joe or Aunt Bertha because, you know, you know I was baptized into their franchise. Again, it's not about franchises. Forget that nonsense. It's about your faith in Christ. If you've come to faith in Christ, yes, get baptized. Even if you had an earlier one, this is your moment to display your faith. And then... One more reason you should consider getting baptized again is if you have wandered away from the Lord and are coming back to follow him. This is a big one here. This is a biblical, we just saw this in the scripture, so I won't readdress that. But when you, if you wander from God, you don't lose your salvation. You don't lose your salvation. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by God's grace. When, you're, when you put your faith in Jesus, you are born into God's family. You're his child and he's not gonna disown you. Even if you are or a wayward child or a prodigal son or daughter, you're still his child. But you might not be following him. But as we saw, baptism is also a picture of our beginning a discipleship journey. So if you've wandered away and you come back, that's a good time to say, I'm here to follow. In fact, that's one of our baptisms today is that story. That happens sometimes, oftentimes. Sometimes it's a person's new faith to getting baptized and just beginning this life of, of being a follower of Jesus. Others get baptized because they've come away and they're back to say, God has my life again and I am here to 
start anew. That's a good reason to get baptized as well. Because as we saw, and we skipped these verses, but as we saw in Jesus' early baptisms during his ministry, as we see in Romans chapter 6, it pictures our faith in Christ, but it also is a declaration of our new life. Faith in Christ to save us and our new life going forward where we are saying publicly, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. So, should you get baptized? You tell me. Now, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray in a moment here. A couple of people are gonna slip out to get ready for baptism and then I'm gonna slip out after I pray and we're gonna have some quiet time. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your savior, do it now. There's a card in the seat back in front of you. You can pull that out and it says the gospel on it. It can walk you through this, even a simple prayer. You can pray, not that you have to pray a prayer, but it's a way of sometimes putting, you know, touch points around our expression of faith. So it's wonderful. Use that card and, and, and trust Christ today. If you, if, you've, if you want someone to talk with you, come see one of us during this quiet time. I gotta slip out pretty soon and, and, and I'll put some shorts on, but I'll, I'll wait for a couple minutes in the back. Come see me, I'll, I'll be glad to talk with you about it. You can put your faith and trust in Christ today. Whether you do that today or whether you've done it before and you've not been baptized, if you wanna get baptized, the water's warm. We got extra baptismal robes or water resistance you can change. You can do it today. You can leave here today getting baptized and join the other, the other couple people who are. Or you can let me know that you want to next week. We'll keep the water nice and warm for you and you can invite some family or friends to come watch, which is what we try to encourage as well. And then you can do it next week or soon. But let me know today so we can get ready. But if you should get baptized, by all means, don't put it off. And we'll be glad to share that moment and celebrate with you. But for today, let's pray.